everyone to our NCAA social series. I'm Andy Katz. On this edition of our show, we're going to be talking about the world of athletic training. We've got three esteemed guests to join me in all three divisions. From Division One at UCF, the Associate Athletics Director for Sports Medicine since 2007, Mary Vanderheiden. From LaGrange College, she's been there since 2017, a Division Three school. She's the athletic trainer, senior woman administrator, Janet Lynn Kraft. And from Lander University, he's been there since 2016, Division II school, assistant athletic director for sports medicine, Adam Wire. I'm going to start with you, Mary. Um, just overall umbrella for the three of you, if you could chime in here. Uh, just sort of the state of where we are in the post-COVID or ending COVID era. I know we're not totally out of the woods yet, but we're in a different phase. Uh, where are we in the world of athletic training in terms of how we're handling everything and dealing with the student athlete in this sort of edging out of the post-COVID world, Mary? Hitting us right away with an easy one. Um, yes. The, I think, you know, I think all athletic trainers, I think there's a sense of overall relief. Uh, COVID was really, really hard on us as professionals. Um, I think especially, I think our profession in general got hit the hardest. And so I think- um, what, Why is that? I'm gonna stop you there. Why was it, why were you hit the hardest? I think just athletic training in general, we wear a lot of hats. Um, we have a lot of responsibility in the care of the student athlete. And then to put COVID on top of that, um, you know, we're the day-to-day, -day, you're in the trenches, you're, you know, you, you became the police, the mask police, the hand sanitizing police, the testing police, you know, and you, a lot of places, you know, had to do the testing themselves as the athletic trainer. So it was just one more task that had to be put on, onto our plate. So it was a really, really difficult couple of years. Um, I know that it, so I think now that we're kind of post COVID and, and getting out there and, and testing isn't as prevalent. It's not mandatory. It's not, you know, it's up to each institution, each state uh, abiding by their local laws and such. It's become a lot easier from the standpoint of now we can use, um, if I can use Dr. Hainline's quote, common sense medicine and, you know, move forward that way. It's just been, like I said, I get a sense of relief that we have, you know, just we can go back to the physicians doing their job and testing as they see fit. And we can go back to doing our main jobs um, in the rest of our you know, worlds. So it had to have a real effect in how you dealt with them on a person-to-person -person basis. Um, how hard was it, Janet? I think the hardest part was talking to the student athletes after their their test results come come back. There's so there was so much fear and so much lack of information going on, and it's it's still going on. We we are in a small town, so even a small cluster is a big deal to us because we're in a small institution and in a small town too. So that hasn't ended for us, unfortunately. We're still in, we're still in it. We're, we're still uh, having people be tested and isolated and, and things like that. So on a personal level, because it's a smaller institution and it's people that we work with on, on a regular basis, the, the breaking of the information to, to the patient is difficult and also making sure that they're taken care of. Yeah, that disruption, Adam, has been extremely difficult to deal with, especially for athletic trainers. What's your opinion on it? Yeah, I, mean, I think, I mean, I agree. It's, it's, there's some relief in not having to really deal with it as much and just follow local guidelines and talking to our doctors and 
I think the hardest part for us and was to continue to maintain the relationships with the student athletes. I mean, that, that's why, you know, I do what I do is to be able to build those relationships. And, you know, when you can only have so many student athletes in the athletic training room and you had to monitor all that and kind of get them in, get the treatment done and get them out, it kind of hindered your ability to, I think, establish those relationships. And you had to, you had to make sure you, you were still doing it, even though you were trying to, you know, maximize the amount of time they're in there from a treatment standpoint. So it's nice to have to not have to worry about that and to be done and actually just be able to, to do our jobs. And I think why we got involved in the profession to, to take care of the student athletes. So um, Mary, you brought up uh, sort of a host of things in terms of the roles. Um, Outside of, and, and I, that's why I want to really peel this back that, uh, you know, that there's so much more to this job than just taping ankles. Um, what has evolved since you, you know, have become an athletic trainer to where your responsibilities have really changed? But it's, it's all almost overwhelming. I don't, I don't, there's so much, I think now, and I, I think that's why there's, there's very few left, especially at this level. You know, I still remain as the head football athletic trainer too. So a lot of, you know, associate ADs and such have, have moved away from kind of the day-to-day -day responsibilities just because there is so much administrative duties that have come up um, and have just compiled and built and built and just to run um, a department, especially of this size um, and at this level, there's just so much more that needs to be done from that administrative side to make sure that everything is running smoothly. Documentation, I think that um, in the litigious society that we're living in has become even more of a big polarized light on top of all of us just to make sure that we have everything documented and where it's supposed to be and um, you know, with different EMRs and changing and just all those different things. And there's just so many different pieces that you know, you have to keep together and um, congruent that I think um, there's just, I would say the administrative piece of just has really, you know, tried to come in between what Adam just spoke about, which is why I got into the business, why I'm still holding on and refuse to give up that last little piece of um, what I love about athletic training. And that's a student athlete. You know, if you take student athletes away, I, I don't know that I'm as happy in my job as I am. So that's why I still hang on to that, that piece and continue to do the day-to-day -day with football. Um, it's because I have to make sure that I stay focused in that um, in that passion of mine that lies with the student athlete and keep them close. So you're at a major university uh, in a major city in, in Orlando with, I'm sure, pretty healthy staff, help, interns, who knows. Um, for you, Janet, smaller town, uh, Division III, um, what's it like to really be on the ground, having to probably shoulder a lot of that burden with your student athletes? I think we have a, a great partnership with a lot of our local healthcare providers. So we're able to refer to other people a lot. And then our coaches have bought in, they understand our role, they understand our job. So they make that part of the communication process that much easier. They let us know uh, ahead of time of what's going on, or they're the first ones to tell us when they notice something. So we have great buy-in from our coaches to help us out on that front. In terms of the day-to-day -day thing, it's, I would equate it to a high school athletic trainer, the, what they do there, um, you manage, you manage, you communicate and you try and structure everything around Practice schedules, obviously, but making sure coaches understand that there's only two of us and there's 
five sports going on right now. So them giving us a little bit of grace and us understanding what they need to do. It's, it's the only way to really kind of manage everything. At the division two level, Adam, how do you, man- how do you balance it? Yeah, I think we're fortunate to where um, I have a staff of 10 athletic trainers. Uh, we have. How, how rare is that at D2? Uh, it's very rare. Uh, you know, um, we, it helps that my athletic director is a former athletic trainer. So whenever we've added staff or added sports, we've added athletic training staff. So I know my situation is a little different than most division twos. Um, I think most of the division twos, even in our conference, only have one or two. You know, but I mean, I've been in situations before where it, it had, we haven't had that many staff. And like Janet said, it's just, just juggling and communication with the coaches um, and just kind of make sure we're all on the same page. And we can't be everywhere at the same time and just prioritizing, uh, you know, where we need to be. But, you know, here we're, we're in a really good situation. Uh, you know, it's, it's really nice to be able to have the staff so we can, we can treat the student athlete, um, you know, to the best of our ability and, and give them the care that they need. Uh, being a former student athlete, Mary, um, and fully understanding that day-to-day grind and, and, you know, playing through injuries, not playing through injuries, how how much has that helped you, um, as you've grown into, you know, being a professional and reaching this high level? I think it's helped tremendously, to be honest. Um, that's one of the reasons I got into athletic training is just, you know, just how much I leaned on the athletic trainers and was introduced. I'm old. So um, in high school, there, there wasn't um, the athletic training. We weren't, I wasn't exposed. So uh, when I got to college and was exposed to the athletic training world, um, I just fell in love. But I think just a different level of empathy, a different level of um, just what it takes, how difficult it really is. Um, I was an athletic training student <laughs> while going through undergrad too. So just Again, just the the demands that are placed upon the student athlete, I think I have a different understanding. So just to, empathy, I would say, is the biggest biggest thing that I've brought with me. You know, you mentioned football. Um, we're seeing that more and more across the country, where there are uh, women who are the head athletic trainers for football programs. How have you seen that change? It's been really rewarding from that aspect. You know, I remember um, when I was first promoted into this position. I think I was the only one. Um, there might have been one other. Um, and so just to see women flourish um, in this profession and in that realm, um, whether it's professional ranks, division one, division two, division, wherever it is, I think you're seeing more and more of it. And um, I think it's, you know, it, again, rewarding, um, exciting to see. I think, you know, we're a healthcare profession, so it shouldn't matter. Gender shouldn't play a, a role in making decisions on where the position should be. Um, behavioral health uh, and the psychological aspect of that. Uh, Janet, um, your work with the Georgia Athletic Trainers Association on psychological first aid uh, in this collegiate setting that you're all involved in, um, how has that changed in terms of the holistic approach? Uh, you know, I mentioned this sort of, you know, the, the, the perception of all the, you know, just tape them up that really you have to deal with the entire student athlete from head to toe. Uh, how has that changed since you've gotten into this profession? I think for me, it's always been in the forefront. It's just talked about more now with a lot more, you know, tragic news that's coming out in in, uh, news stories about student athletes. Uh, I I knew long time ago that, you know, if if the mind's not into it, the body's not going to respond. 
Uh, we've all had student athletes dealing with injuries that are in a down place that are, that their mindset's not into it. Whatever we do for them or with them is not going to be productive or or with positive outcomes. So. I think the training room is a safe space for a lot of student athletes is where they can really show their emotions, show their vulnerability, tell us what's going on. So my involvement or me doing presentations on this topic is it's more of a passion project on top of a professional project because we are those people that are here to listen and not judge. And I feel like every training room is, is a safe space for a lot of student athletes. This is where they kind of be, be able to be themselves and not have too much expectations put on them. So I, I wanna get everyone's opinion on this. And um, not every athletic trainer is obviously trained to be a social worker, a therapist, a licensed uh, you know, mental health provider. Uh, but to your point, um, assessing the health of the mind, uh, referring to whether it's the head coach, a coach, uh, some other administrator, how critical is it? And, and, and if you guys could piggyback off of this, uh, Mary and Adam, I start with you, Janet, about noticing things that if someone is not okay for whatever reason, whatever is going through in their personal life, that you express that just where, the way the coach would say, hey, can, can player X be ready to go because their ankle is healed? And, you, you know, this has nothing to do with that. You know, something else is going on they're not ready to participate, whether in practice or a game. They need to speak with someone. How, wh where does that responsibility lie with the athletic trainer? And if the three of you could speak on this, and we'll start with you, Janet. I think it's the same way you describe an ankle injury. Player X is, is not mentally ready, is not confident, is not their well-being. Their general well-being is not there. Um, it would be a risk for them to to practice or play because their head's not in the game, essentially to use, use a cliche, their head's not in the game. So it would be a, more of a detriment to the team and to them personally to participate. And you'll have some coaches be very, um, not, they, they don't, we, we've had to teach our coaches to understand that aspect of, but at the end of the day, it's it's the athletic trainer's call to let that person participate or, or not. So if I feel they're not in a safe space to uh, participate, I'll let the coaches know. Adam and, and Mary, if you could chime in, please. Yeah, I think it, um, you know, a lot of it goes back to building those relationships and we get to know the student athletes really well. And, you know, we see them from when the initial injury and to, and to we know, hey, are they ready to, to play mentally? And, you know, it's a conversation I'll have with the student athletes. You know, I, I know the ankle or the, or the knee might be feeling really good, but, but how are you feeling? You know, from are you prepared? Do you feel like you can do what you need to do? And, you know, if the student athlete tells me no, then the, the next step is the coach and to, to have the conversation of, hey, if we, if we push them out there, the, 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 there's a good chance they're going to get injured again, or they're not going to perform the, the way they, they need to perform. And, and we, we've developed a really good relationship with our, our counseling staff on campus to where, you know, we'll refer, you know, for just general mental health evaluation or conversation with our, our counselors on campus. And, and we're starting to use some, some tools um, after injuries to, to look at, hey, where's your anxiety level after the injury? You know, where is it now as you're getting prepared to go back into play? And just to start using a lot of those tools to, to make sure they're ready physically and mentally when we put them back on the field. 
Just to, to go even further than that, I, I think it goes beyond to just post injury. I think that, you know, mental health is, is a, you know, an issue, uh, very happy that it's being talked about more, but I think, you know, it's our role. We're, we're the advocate for the student athlete. That's the bottom line to our jobs. We have to advocate, you know, whether it's a physical injury, a mental injury, um, however you want to word it. Uh, we're fortunate here because we have a full-time psychologist on staff. So he's around all the time, um, walking around. He's just, you know, one of us, uh, he's not a scary face. He's not a, so just to continue to incorporate all the different resources, I think is really important for us as athletic trainers. And just again, to, if they can't practice or they can't participate, but I think it, it goes much further now than just post-injury or with an injury. I think it's our jobs to recognize, you know, just in their general demeanor, um, if they're quieter, if they're more subdued, if they're not talking to the people they normally talk to, just all those little things that, you know, even though we're not, you know, certified per se in it, I know our staff takes QPR training every year. Um, you know, when your student athletes are different and that something else might be going on. There's a lot of things in life that just occur, right? Just because sports are happening doesn't mean that real life isn't happening and that hard things aren't going on in their personal life. So I think, again, just us being that resource um, and getting them the help that they need, regardless of the, the time frame. So about that stigma, Mary, though, uh, and I don't want to paint a broad brush of coaches, regardless of what generation they're from, but how do you change that stigma that where you may not see an injury, but the, you know, the brain, you know, that needs to be healthy. And if the coach doesn't understand, you know, you know, they're ready to go. You, you clear them physically. Why can't that person participate? Um, how, how do we and where are we in terms of changing that stigma that, you know, they're just not ready for whatever reason? I think it's conversations like these, to be honest. I think you have to continue to talk about it. I think you have to, as an athletic department from the top down, you have to start with the AD and make sure that they're on board and they understand and they are going to be supportive in the decisions that we have to make as uh, healthcare providers. Uh, in addition to, you know, if you have other personnel, like, again, we're fortunate enough to have, but um, and it's having those individual conversations with the coaches and making them understand uh, and just educating so that they understand, you know, the importance of it and, and where, you know, long term, their team, their, you know, situation is going to be better if we if you just let us tackle this and handle uh, what we need to. You know, one other thing that sort of dovetails a little bit like this, Adam, is, um, you know, is how everyone deals with a concussion. We've had shows on this social series about this, that no two people will have the same result, it seems, from a concussion. One person could be back, you know, within a couple of days, another person could be out months. Uh, and it sometimes is very difficult for, you know, coaches to understand that, uh, you know, why is this person out for so long? The concussion was a month ago or what have you. Um, how do you deal with that topic, knowing that uh, it, it, it just is not going to be you know, a cookie cutter of, of this happened on this day. Okay. You should be back, you know, a week or two later. Right. And it comes down to education. I think we, we stress in the beginning of our year meetings with our student athletes and with our coaches, especially about concussions is, is not everyone's the same. You know, everyone's going to heal at a different rate. You know, one person could be back, like you said, in, in, in 10 days to two weeks, and someone might take, you know, two to three months. And it's just, there's, it's hard to say how they're going to respond to, to the concussion and how they're going to respond to the healing part of it. Um, and it's just continuing education and following up with our doctors and a daily conversation with, with both the student athlete and the coach and say, hey, here's where you're at. Um, 
here's where you need to get to before we're comfortable with even progressing to the next step in our concussion plan. And, and uh, yeah, sure, coaches get frustrated at all. But at the end of the day, you know, our job is to um, be there for the student athlete and make sure the decisions we're making is best for their long term health and care, even when they're done playing the sport. You know, and that's something that we tell our coaches all the time is, you know, we're we know you want to win and we want them out there, too. But our job is to make sure they can play with their kids when they're 30 not that they can play next week in, in your game. So it's just education and communication and, you know, and, and understanding that we're all on the same page. We just have, we have to do, we have different jobs we have to do. And Janet, you know, concussions aren't just in football. I mean, we're seeing this in all sports. Uh, you name it, doesn't matter. Um, you know, how do you change that stigma that this is not a, just a football or hockey related injury? I think, with our coaches, their experience with concussions, they, they have, they've haven't have had enough of it to know that it's not just a football thing. Um, it's to me, it's never been just a football thing to me. It's been more of a cheerleading thing. I've seen the worst concussions come from cheerleading than football. So I think with just education, like Adam was saying, and, and people being able to find out information on their own too, about concussions and the long, and we're seeing what the long-term effects of concussions are like now that there's a lot, there's a lot better understanding of why we're keeping people out for the length of time we're keeping people out. Mary, I, I just want to transition one or two last topics. One is as we start school, schools obviously starting a lot of semester schools, quarter schools will start here uh, deeper into September. And so you got freshmen coming in from high school that uh, maybe they had one trainer, maybe they didn't have any. Um, how do you indoctrinate them to the sort of the routine of making sure that they follow the right procedure, uh, that they come for treatment, that they do what they're supposed to do as they transition from high school to the college level? I think that's one of the hardest times. I think that freshmen, uh, you can tie this right back into mental health. I think our freshmen struggle the most. I think that, um, you know, we try to do a really good job. It, it comes back to education. It comes back to talking to the student athletes. It comes back to, you know, they, they're, they've been recruited. They've been the best of the best. They've been, you know, the fastest, strongest, biggest at their high schools. Um, and they come in here and now they might be redshirted or they just got put out to scout team or they just had. So I think it's a lot more um, mental health than it is anything else. Um, and it's just making them understand. We do a lot of things as far as like group work just with them. And we have a whole summer nights program that we, you know, put them through so that they, you know, can kind of adapt and, and know where to be and all of the resources that they have at their disposal. But I think it still is really hard for them because you know, now they're a little fish in a big pond and trying to just make it and uh, just very different than anything that they've ever experienced before. So just kind of watching them really second guess their entire lives and the decisions that they made. And, um, and so I think just being there for them, um, loving them up, uh, having those conversations, letting them know it's going to be easier that every single freshman goes through that, getting some of the older guys to recognize and kind of take them under their wing if it gets to that point. But I think just getting all the resources in front of them so that they know that, you know, they're not alone and that they will, this too shall pass. Um, and they will get to that sophomore, junior, senior, senior year. Adam, you've worked at the professional level uh, in major league baseball with the Reds and the Diamondbacks. Uh, what'd you learn at that level that you're applying now collegiately? Yeah, I think the biggest thing there is just the, uh, 
when we more the rehab process, you know, and just kind of learning yet a lot of time to, to learn some new things. And, and, you know, I had, I had two really good staffs and then we would bounce ideas off each other and just, you know, learn, you know, Hey, what, how, what can I do with this situation? Be comfortable to asking for help, you know, and, and knowing, Hey, this, this is going to help this, this, this player at this point, you know? So, so that, that was a great experience from the rehab standpoint, you know, being in that setting, uh, learning how to deal with different personalities and, and, and student athletes from, from different nationalities, you know, in, in baseball, you, we, we got a, obviously a lot of players from Dominican Republic and Venezuela and just, you know, learn, learn how to deal with, with student athletes from different cultures and, and how to communicate with, with them. I think that, that probably the biggest, you know, takeaway for me is that when I got into collegiate setting and, and have, you know, 750 student athletes, they're all different and, and how to interact and, and establish relationships with, with each one of them. You know, I think that's the one thing I pulled from, from my major league baseball experience. All right, last word, all three, Adam, Janet, Mary, you'll have the final word. Um, you've kind of touched on it with the student athletes, but dive a little bit deeper here in this answer. What do you love the most about being an athletic trainer? Adam, you first. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it, the simple answer is a student athlete. You know, it is just getting to, to know them, you know, getting to, to, you know, just to have a conversation with them, getting to see, hey, what makes them tick? You know, why do they love playing their sport? And more importantly, what, what do they like to do? You know, just as a person, you know, it's that that's the part when you, when you see them come in as freshmen, you know, and, and they're scared, you know, they don't know what, what they're doing. And then you, you, you're that you're probably that first person that they have a relationship with, you know, and just the communication with. And and you just that that grows over the course of the four years. And then and then you see them graduate and and they come back 10 years later and, and they come and see you when they come on campus because they want to have a conversation. I think that is what you know, why I love athletic training, why I've been doing it for 23 years and, and why I want to continue to do it. It's just the relationships to build the student athletes. Um, you know, the coaches come and go and the games are fun and all that, but it's, it's what happens, you know, before the games and after the games and on the road trips. And that's the stuff that, that you remember more than anything else. Janet, you're up. I, I love it. I've been, I'm, I guess the, uh, 10 years in, uh, I still love it. I love the, the enthusiasm that these students kind of put into my daily life. There's, there's a lot of moments where maybe I'm feeling down and I'm feeling not, not the best and their energy, their enthusiasm, their optimism, their energy, just it's, it's something I, I can't find in any other patient population other than collegiate athletics. All right, Mary, bring us home. I just pick off back off of them. I think it's the relationships in general, obviously the student athlete being the most important and the most, you know, fun and what you, you know, hang on to, but the relationships with my staff, um, our team physicians, just collectively as a group, just everybody coming together to, to help that common goal of that student athlete relationship relationships too. Um, I think Adam hit it on the head coaches come and go administration, you know, administrators come and go. Um, but those relationships are still important too. They're, we're all still just pouring into the same thing. We all have the same goal and pouring into that student athlete. So um, I would say relationships are definitely what, what keep me going, um, both with the student athlete and my staff. Well, there's no question that uh, this profession is not appreciated as much as it should be. Uh, I know it is on the ground level at the various uh, athletic departments, but certainly in the greater collegiate space, it needs to be even more. I appreciate all your time. Have a great, safe year ahead at your respective campuses with your student athletes. And again, everyone, thanks for watching. As always, you can go to ncaa.org slash social series, where all our social series are archived. Appreciate it. Thank you.